Welcome to the Catch the Fire London podcast. We hope and pray you'll encounter God as you listen to this message. We are talking today about um, the presence of God. And it's a little bit ironic that we're starting off talking about something that we've all just been in for the last kind of hour or so. And, um, but I, I, really, I really want to talk about, like we're going through the I Believe series and the title this Sunday is I Believe in the Presence. Um, and, and I've got, I'm going to say it's a simple message and then I imagine that it's going to turn out to be way less simple than I realised because Holy Spirit's going to start moving and stuff. But I had some cool revelations this morning I want to share with you as well. But um, what I want to start with really is there's an element, and I, you heard me talk about this the other week when I said how in maybe a slightly more arrogant moment of my life at university, I did a quite stark point about how God is an experiential God by starting to rip books out of my Bible that I had experience in and just demonstrating the fact that you'd end up with basically the contents page if, if you took away everything that wasn't inspired by experience. And so the presence of God is, is in itself to experience God. I, I heard a really beautiful definition of the word presence um, the other day because I think in the modern church, especially the charismatic church, we talk about the presence a lot. It's like, ooh, the presence. and We love the presence. And we sing song, songs like, I love, I love, I love your presence and all that kind of stuff and it's like everyone's like yeah the presence and I think it's one of those ones where similar to words like um, prodigal and the river of God and being a river church and all those kind of things everyone just kind of nods hoping that nobody will realize they don't know what they're talking about and everyone goes yeah yeah we're a river church and yeah we love the presence and everyone is thinking yeah if we all have a corporate ability to be confident in our lack of understanding then we'll be okay nobody will notice me Um, and 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 I I want to kind of just hope, hope that by the end of this today that for everyone here in the room and everyone online will all walk away with a better understanding of what the presence means and, and what it looks like to engage with that because it's really important because it's very much part of who God is. And I heard this really beautiful definition of the simplicity of the, the word presence and it simply means this, being before the face of God. So when we talk about the presence of God, we're talking about being before the face of God. And we could all just stop right there, really, and think about what that means for us. But I want to have it not just being me today. So I was going to walk around with the radio mic, but I am now tethered. And so I'm going to ask Stephen, do you want to come first? Come on. I've asked a few people to come and just share for them either what does spending time in the presence of God mean to them or a test me where being in God's presence has done something. So go for it. Yeah. Hi, everyone. Morning. Um, I think when Dan asked me to kind of this morning think about like something to share, obviously it was like one of those things that he sprung on me. So I was like, oh my gosh, okay. But at the same time, I think the first thing that really popped to mind was I just couldn't get away from the first time I actually encountered the Father's presence in my life. And um, one thing I'm really just always so honored about and just so blown away even to this day was that I met my father's presence in, 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 the, in my own bedroom, basically in my own bedroom where there's no one there. Um, I grew up basically as a pastor's kid and my family was all Christian. I grew up with, with the whole Christian background. I knew what to do. But I think when I was like basically 17, 18, I had basically two years of my life where I just felt barren. I just felt completely dry, bone dry. I just felt something in my inner self. I was so, just so, I think the only, yeah, Baron is the only word that I could really feel. I could only really kind of use to explain it. But in um, the midst of all that, one thing that I realized that the father was doing was the father was actually, you know, really breaking me out of this almost like religious shell of like, I was used to be so religious, you know, I just used to like tick off the boxes, think just do all the Christian stuff and I'll be okay with God, etc. But I just remember the first time I met the father's presence where I really met 
his presence come into my room. I was literally at the end of myself because I was feeling so, just, I didn't know why, I couldn't explain it. I just literally just couldn't know why. I just felt so empty. I felt so dry. I just felt so barren. I just felt so miserable. I'm just going to be very honest. I just didn't feel, just like, I just felt this way and I couldn't explain it. So it was frustrating me. I got to the end of myself where I just literally was on my knees for the first time in my life. And I think for the first time, I literally said something authentic to God. And I think God wanted to get me to that point because that's when the Father's presence came. And when his father, when, my, when the Father's presence came, I just, remember, I, I just remember meeting just how passionately in love he was with me. And guys, you, most people comment on how actually most people say, oh, you're so smiley. God, I never, just, to, just to kind of let you know, whenever I hear that, I actually, I still thank God because I never used to smile. Genuinely, until basically 17, 18, I never used to smile. I never could smile genuinely, authentically. I was always caught up in like trying to, you know, put on a face. I was pastor's son. I had to like, look, you know, put on a face. I had to like, you know, you know, look good to the congregation in, the, in my old church that I had to be in. It's still a great church, but I just had that element of growing up as a, in, the, in the pastor's family. But for the first time in my life, I actually smiled because I, I felt joy. I smiled, I smiled because I felt love. I smiled, smiled because I felt life flowing through my heart. And literally, that's when I literally remember seeing Jesus for the first time. And everything that I'd learned in scriptures, everything I learned literally through the Bible, I, uh, basically from that point on, I ended up spending like a six-month stint in my life where I just could not leave my room. Every morning, I just would spend hours in my room. And my mom would call me to have lunch or dinner. I wanted, wanted to go down. But when I sat at the dinner table, I remember actually just multiple times, this was not even like once or twice. Throughout the six months, literally, I was like, I don't want to eat right now. It's not because I wasn't hungry, but I was like, I was just, my, my heart was pulled because I knew the father's presence was in my room. So literally, I literally got up the dinner table and I went out. My mom was, my, gen, my mom genuinely thought I was crazy for about six months because like, my, it's like, he's not eating. He's not eating real. It's like, are you okay? I'm, but I told mom like, mom, I'm, 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 I'm so happy. I'm so joyful. And I see Jesus for the first time in my life. And I just remember that his presence changed everything and his presence, those, that, those six months, I think has defined basically the last 12 years of my life. His presence has defined the last 12 years of my life. And every time I need it, every time there's a need, it just comes back to this simplicity of, Father, wow, you've chased me first. You've loved me first. And I just had to yield. And I just realized the beauty of yielding and the beauty of just the simplicity of just being able to yield to his presence. And yeah, that's been basically my experience of his presence. And I think, yeah, it's just been so constant, ever unending and changing. So... Yeah, that's basically it. Amazing. Thank you, Stephen. Amazing. Thank you. Right, I think I can reach the next people. So I've asked James and I've asked just Hannah. You guys did really well to sit next to each other. Um, but, you know, I know, you know, you're a pastor's kid, so you're probably going to preach like Stephen. So just a little bit shorter. But we'll start with James because he's concise in his South Africanness, right? As a, a point of fact rather than, you know, as a suggestion. Come on. Why don't you stand up, James? This is James, everybody. Hello. Um, yeah, it was, uh, Dan asked me earlier, and I thought about it. For me, it's be still and know that I'm God. There's a place for coming before the Lord with singing and dancing, and I get that. But for me, when I really hear God and come into his presence, be still and know that I'm God. Jesus took his disciples away in, in Matthew, Mark, Mark 6. 14 or something, he says he took them away to a quiet place. He took Peter, James, and John up to Gethsemane. And so for me, that's when I hear God. And God will say to me, phone Dan, he needs uh, some encouragement. Um, send a message to so-and-so. And, and the, I've had people burst into tears 
and they go, wow, your timing is so perfect. So-and-so is happening in my life. So that's when I hear the voice of God and come into his presence. Is that short enough? That's perfect, James. Thank you. Um, I just wanted to share a testimony the other week when Dan was preaching on his friend who laughed a lot. Um, and me and Priscilla, Priscilla came around to my house afterwards. And we were both feeling really anxious so for some reason. We didn't really know why. Um, and we were just like, shall we worship? And so we started worshiping. Literally, like, um, checked the clock later. And we'd been in the presence of God for five hours, like, completely unaware. And spent about three of those laughing, which was incredible. Because that's, like, what Dan was talking about in church. And we were just, like, so hungry to encounter the joy of the Lord and the presence of the Lord. Amazing, thank you. I was going to ask Misha, but you're kind of wedged in at the back, aren't you? So maybe I'll ask you at the end to share as well. But that's so good. I love that. Every one of us have a different way of engaging with God and a different way of engaging with his presence. And, and I think the thing that for me was a beautiful common theme with all three of those guys there was that it was when we engage with him, we experience his presence. And I know that sounds really obvious, but I feel like the first thing I almost want to correct in our lives just in case that's a belief we have is that we kind of almost have this dynamic in particularly in our culture as catch the fire and pentecostalism and charismatic church is that we've almost got a a trinity with an extra tag on member because we've got father son the holy spirit and the presence and we almost have this attitude of the presence being in itself its own deity of being like i'm coming for the presence i'm coming to experience the presence and we even say it in our Catch the Fire logo, it says, encountering God's transforming presence. And, and you know, when we were doing the rebranding, I was sat on, like, the, the panel of people talking about the theology, about who we are, and, and I, I wound people up a lot because I was dogged with that statement of being like, should we not say encountering God and his transforming presence? Because whilst it makes sense, both of them, and it's probably a better way to say it the first way around, I never want anybody to believe that presence in itself is enough for God. Because... It's very easy to have culture, and I think this has become quite a radical challenge for youth and young adults in modern Christendom, to have a relationship with a feeling, not with a deity. To have a relationship with an emotion and not the word of God. To have a relationship with an effect or a dynamic or an atmosphere. And, you know, I can tell you something. I could make this room feel really, really good without God. Because I'm very capable at creating an atmosphere. You know, a dwell, when we have times of just upwards worship, focused on desiring God and giving him all his glory, his presence comes. But we could quite easily make it a hype. Make it a thing where we're drawing people in of being like, okay, everybody stamp your feet, everybody dance, everyone jump it out. And immediately everyone's like, yeah, the joy of the Lord is here. Is it the joy of the Lord? Or is it the passion of our works? And, and, and if we don't have this attitude of being it's the face of God, like I started with, then we start to potentially step into a world where we're just focusing on an effect and not him. And so the first thing I want to start with is that the presence of God, I believe in the presence of God, and I do, but the inference of that has to be grounded into the fact that I therefore believe in a relational connection with God. It's quite a funny example, but um, it's, it's similar to, I have a dynamic in my life at the moment where there will be times when, because of the dynamic of, you've met my children, they are loud and they are a lot, they're wonderful and they're creative, but they can be a lot. And 
particularly at home when nobody else is there for them to be on good attention for because they, with their parents, take liberties, um, as all good children do. And there is some dynamics at times when I can be trying to talk to Ashley, and she is there, she is with me in the room, and I may as well be talking to a brick wall because she has way too many distractions going on in her life. She's trying to manage the kids in that moment, and I've just had a great idea, and I'm trying to convey it with all my heart and all my passion, and she is utterly disengaged. And I do it to her as well. She'll be talking to me, and I'll be trying to chase Caleb to try and convince him that having a pooey nappy is not a good thing and and it's a good thing to change that and he thinks it's hilarious to not change it um because he's a two-year-old boy and he thinks stink is fun um but he i'll be distracted and ashley's trying to talk to me and i'm utterly distracted but the, the thing like with that is that i i am there in the room with her and yet she doesn't have my attention and we can have this dynamic with God. And I think this is the case with a lot of Christianity. And, and I, I loved the coronation yesterday. And there's so much rich symbolism with it. But my prayer, my desperation, especially in that moment of anointing where the screens were put around King Charles and he was anointed, was show him your face, God. Because if, if we just follow the motions and the doctrine and the traditions, then it's very easy to be a Christian without any sort of connection with God. Because we're placing ourselves in a church, we're reading a word, we're doing a thing, we're following an action, so that we are in the room with him, but we've got our eyes distracted away from him. And God is omnipresent. And I think we've entered into this dynamic in, in life, and I want to be careful how I say this, because there is, and, and Flacco prayed this beautifully earlier in the pre prayer, there is an element where God's presence and his presence comes, and the kabod of his glory comes. So there is an element where whilst God is omnipresent, he also can come more. And if you read Isaiah 6, where it says, um, I, I saw the Lord, and he was high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And um, the word filled there means fully filled, being filled, and not yet filled. And so there's this duality in existence of God filling us, where we are fully filled. We are also being filled. And we are also not yet filled. And, and, but also in the Bible says all of the earth is filled with his glory. And so he is omnipresent. He is everywhere. And so on one level, for us to walk into this room like we did this morning and say, Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Father, we welcome you. We welcome your presence. On one level, that's utter nonsense because he's already here. Because he's present. He's everywhere. Um, and I think what we have to do is get a mindset shift away from this idea that God comes because I have allowed him to. To... God is here, and I'm now looking at him. And so could it be that it's not, God, welcome, we ask you to come and fill this place. But instead, God, I thank you, you're already here. You're already filling this place. And I thank you that you're going to come in a greater measure as well as we turn our eyes to face you. And that's what I love about the fact, the face. Because if you remove the face from a body, it's very hard to interact. You, you lose, like, you can get an element from body language. But... You know, you could be, somebody could be stood there frowning, shaking their fist in the air, and that looks angry. Somebody could be smiling, shaking their fist in the air, and that looks victorious or happy and joy-filled. And so the body only gives you a certain element of what it is that's going on and being communicated. And if we don't behold the face of God, then we could quite easily misconstrue the actions of God. We could quite easily misinterpret the movements of God. We could quite easily gain doctrine, theology, and viewpoints and beliefs of God that are inaccurate because of our own perspective, not because of who he is. And, you know, you look at history of the church, and that's been done so many times. 
you know, you look at the Dark Ages, which were very dark, for, and they were called the Dark Ages for a reason, because the church was in a position where it believed that God's sovereignty meant hierarchy, and it meant that you could only access for a certain route in a certain way. And so because of humanity's misinterpretation of God and looking at actions of God, it justified a whole heap of things in the name of God that weren't godly, because we weren't beholding his face. And in the face, you get nuance. You, you know, if you've ever been around anybody who's had their eyebrows shaved off, it's very funny. They look very weird. But it's also quite hard to understand what they're conveying with their face because the eyebrows tell a lot. Um, anyone who's ever been on a stupid stag do will understand that. Um, or, for example, if you've, I have a friend who she ended up having to get eyebrows tattooed on because she had such thin eyebrows that... Um, they were no longer able to... I joked with her a lot. I can understand what she was saying to me half the time because she had no eyebrows. Um, she didn't like that. It was a joke. It was fine. We were in relationship. It was good fun. Um, but when she got tattooed on her eyebrows, I was like, yeah, I can understand you now. This is great. It was like, are you frowning or smiling? I don't know. Um, <laughs> but there's an element where the face tells a lot, doesn't it? The face communicates a lot. And we see these beautiful examples in the Old Testament of things like where it talks about Moses being face to face with God. And Ashley talked about this last week, about how Adam, the first thing he knew was the face of God. Because it says that God breathed into the dust to create Adam. And, you know, if you've been first aid trained, you'll understand that CPR requires proximity. You can't just stand far away, like Ashley said last week, and blow at the person in the hope that something's going to happen. And I think sometimes that's a little bit like we are as Christians. We kind of like stand a little bit far away from God and do stuff in the hope that something will happen. And whereas actually God is calling for proximity, that mouth-to-mouth, that breath-to-breath thing. And, and so the first thing that Adam beholds, and so that's the model that we need to exist in, is that we are meant to be in such proximity with God that we behold his face. And you hear all these stories of the glory of God coming and the presence of God coming. And I think we as humans, we start to take a systematic approach to it. So I love revival history. I love learning about moves of God. And you look at, like, you then justify in the Bible. So, for example, Azusa Street... Um, some people would argue that's like the kind of birthplace of Pentecostalism, at least in America. You've got the Welsh Revival. And this is amazing, actually. If you look at it, within six months of each other, Azusa Street in America and the Welsh Revival happened at the same time. Both of them manifestations of the Holy Spirit, both of them manifestations of Pentecostalism. Neither of them had any communication with each other. Isn't that extraordinary? The Holy Spirit was like, okay, it's my turn to turn up now. I'm done waiting. But Azusa Street, you hear these incredible stories about how they would be in the presence of God and the pillar of cloud would manifest in the room. They're in a room like this. And they, they used to joke saying the children's ministry at Azusa Street was the cloud of, cloud of smoke in the room because the children would play hide and seek in the glory cloud. And there's multiple accounts of this happening of children hiding in the glory cloud and running out and shouting boo at each other. And I love that. Just the mayhem of revival that suggests that could even possibly be a normal thing because all the adults and all the other people are just so out of it in the presence of God that they don't care what the kids are doing. The kids are having fun. And, and immediately I hear that story and I'm like, okay, where's that in the Bible? Where it says with the Israelites that God led them by a pillar of smoke during the day. I'm like, okay, cool. That's in the Bible. That's God manifesting. But they didn't come together as Azusa Street and say, okay, guys, here's the plan. We're going to do nightly meetings. We're going to pray a certain way. We're going to follow this set structure so that the glory clouds can come. And don't, don't worry about kids' work. The glory clouds going to handle that. So we've already assigned that to God for that bit. And like, whereas as, as humans, we've done that. We've kind of been like, okay, what's the Azusa Street model? 
what's this model of prayer? What's it? And you know, you have whole prayer movements based on Moravian model of prayer. The Moravians were called by God in that season of life. Now, the Moravians are amazing, and 24-7 prayer kind of comes from that. And if you read about Count Zinzendorf and the Moravians, they are radical people who literally committed, despite persecution, to pray 24-7. And then eventually, like the first missionaries to the Americas were the Moravians. And, so, and you saw this amazing move of God that came from there. Now, if we were to say, we're going to pray like the Moravians, we'd be missing the point. We're going to pray like God is telling us to, because we're going to behold him and be like him in this presence. Now, that doesn't dishonor what they did, and we learn from where we can learn, but also we don't model the structure. We seek him, and we go from there. And so, you know, like Toronto, very famous for the prayer lines. You didn't do a single prayer ministry in Toronto without people standing in a very organized, lined-up sense, which is crazy, because you don't really hear too much about organization from Toronto. Um, it was all crazy. But there's prayer lines. And so every time we get to prayer ministry, they say, okay, everyone to the prayer lines. And everyone knew it, and everyone would leg it to prayer lines. And these lines on the floor lined out, spaced so that nobody too tall would fall into the person behind them, and all that kind of stuff. Very organized. It'd be very easy as a catch to fire church of our heritage as Toronto to be like, okay, we're not actually going to be able to fit all of you in today because we've assigned half the room for the prayer lines because that's how God moves. And it'd be very easy to do that, wouldn't it? Because it's part of our, and we've seen God move. It's like, man, you're not going to be touched by the Holy Spirit unless you're standing on that prayer line. And especially, you know, if you stand on that bit of the prayer line, that's where Heidi Baker got touched. And so that's where you're going to really get touched by the Holy Spirit. And, and that would be... That'd be I, I, I jest with it, but it would be an ungodly thing because we're worshipping, again, this misinterpretation of the presence. We're worshipping a product, not a person. And the presence has to be a person. It has to be the face of God. I got this really interesting picture as I was preparing about are you an insulator or are you a conductor? And that's right, the kids can come in. Um, and basically, the Lord just showed me, and he often shows me this in pictures, but he was talking to me about um, nuclear waste, nuclear matter, like any sort of kind of, um, anything nuclear is dangerous to us, right, as humans. And so the way they transport it is in lead-lined containers. Why? Because lead is an insulator, not a conductor, of, of nuclear uh, ra- radiation. Um, and so it's safe because it's been insulated, but it's a very powerful thing. And if it's surrounded by something that's a conductor, you get a very, very powerful product. product. Like you look at nuclear reactors, it brings in stuff that causes it to react, and then it explodes, right? And so the father started saying to me, he's like, are you an insulator or conductor? And, there's, and so he said to me these three things. He's like, first of all, are you a lead line box? When it comes to God and who he is, are you a lead line box? Are you insulating who he is? And what I mean by that is, are you coming to him, not with a desire to seek his face, but with just that kind of doctrinal basis of tradition? Like what we saw demonstrated at the King's Coronation. We really believed the Lord and the Holy Spirit was moving in that place. And it was beautiful. And there was some, a wonderful presence to it. But the potential for that just to be a process insulates God. It stops God moving. It stops God being able to do his thing. It stops God being able to bring who he is. And so the first thing is like, do you want to be like a lead line box? The second thing is, do you want to be a microwave? Now, microwaves are very clever because they use um, radiation to heat food in a way that's safe. And so 
if you ever get to a place where your microwave works with the door open, run away, turn it off, because that's not safe for you. But the way it works is it harnesses the power of that radiation and makes it able to work in a safe environment. And sometimes I think we do that as Christians with our, our structures, our ways of doing things, our ways of doing certain things. We say, okay, God's going to turn up this way and do this thing, and we're going to do this and this. And sometimes that's really right and really good. But I think what we need to be is we need to be conductors of God's presence. We need to be so like him that when people look at our faces, they see his face. And as they see his face, his presence and power comes through us and changes people and transforms people. And I should probably bring in some scripture because I think that's really important to make sure you all think I'm saying the truth. If you look at the Old Testament, New Testament, I'm going to kind of land it here. Old Testament, the presence of God was a geographical phenomenon. So it came in the temple, it came through the Ark of the Covenant, it came with something that was carried. And you had a few people who had examples where the Spirit of the Lord would fall upon them. Samson's one. He did incredible things when the Spirit of the Lord would come upon him. But it wasn't a constant. And we see that demonstrated when he made lots of mistakes. He did lots of things wrong. The Spirit of the Lord wasn't always on him. But if you read the language there, where it says, when the Spirit of the Lord came upon Samson, you can most accurately translate that Hebrew as, the Spirit of the Lord wore Samson like a glove. Isn't that awesome as a picture? And so we have this geographical or um, kind of singularized location of God and his glory in the Old Testament. And, and, and yet he moves powerfully. And then we have the turning up of Jesus, who is the person of the presence. And as he walks and lives, constantly is demonstrating the presence of God and the kingdom at hand through who he is. And then we step into the now, which is we are people of his presence. Because we've gone from a temple to the temple, Jesus, and the destruction of the earthly temple to a spiritual temple, to now we are temples. Which means that as we live and move and go and do all these things, that we therefore are the presence of God. And so if we understand and recognize that, we move it away from being a geographical location to being a transcendent dynamic of who we are as spiritual beings, which is awesome. And so then when you start thinking about things like this, where it says in, I'm not actually going to read it, um, in 2 Corinthians 3.18, it says this, but we all with unveiled faces, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Now, in the Old Testament, every time it talks about presence, pretty much, you've got two words. One is pana, and the other one is panim, and it literally means face. So when it talks about the presence of the Lord, it's actually saying the face of the Lord. In this 2 Corinthians verse here, in the Greek, the word all of us with unveiled faces... <clears throat> the Greek word for face there is most literally translated as presence. So all of us as temples of God with unveiled presence, unrestricted, completely accessible presence of God are seeing him go from glory to glory. And that's a tremendous thing. And you look at the pictorial image of the fact that it says that we've removed the veil from us in the same way that Jesus tore the veil in the temple at his death to release the glory from being in a locational place to being in a personhood and so as we talk about I believe in the presence I want you to change your mindset on this that you with an unveiled face or an unveiled glory or an unveiled presence are the atmosphere of he who is and was and is to come 
And so when you walk about life, when you approach the presence of God, don't approach a thing, approach the one. Behold his face. Understand the way he's going, the direction he's going. The prophetic is a wonderful thing because it, it is like a parrot to the voice of God coming to the world. But how much more so should we just see his face? And in that place, be revealed to where we should go, move, act, belong. In that place, we are transformed. Like it says in 2 Corinthians. In that place, we are revealed. In that place, the world sees God. And so we don't evangelize to grow our church. We don't preach these messages to just find more people like us. We can have a little club and all hang out together and enjoy the presence. We do this stuff so that we can see God move. So that we can laugh for hours on end and find anxiety evacuated from our lives because he has turned up with joy. We find ourselves foregoing food so that we can just go and behold his face in the presence of our bedroom because something is feeding us greater than that. We find, we start hearing stories of, in fact, this happened the other week. We're having our staff meeting on a Monday that something's brewing and we have all the, the, wind, the blinds down and stuff and, um, but the, you can see through the front door and, and Tanya and Ashley ended up chasing this woman because we, we all sat there and suddenly this lady stopped outside the glass door something's brewing and then manifested like just out of the blue, just like literally full body shiver from top to bottom, just like crazy. Just this sudden, abnormal physical reaction to the presence of God. And then she looked really confused and then walked off. <laughs> and so, so Stu looked at Ashley and Tanya and was like, go, <laughs> go chase her down. And they ended up like having an amazing chat with her. And I think you guys prayed for her as well, didn't you? If you can remember. You chatted with her. But it was like, it was just, it was, it was profound and obvious to see the fact that actually we had been simply just sitting, sharing testimonies of what God had done in our lives. And in that atmosphere, somebody in the physical was affected by something in the spiritual. Hallelujah. And that was amazing. And so what do you, what do you learn from this? What do we have from this? Look at his face. And as Flicky shared earlier in the prayer time, that beautiful hymnal. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full on his wondrous face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. You want a recipe for overcoming in your life? Turn your eyes upon him. If you want a recipe to see God move in your workplace, in your environment, turn your eyes upon him. Submit to him and he will do things. One last story to honor somebody in the room, but Glaucia, who's sat over there. Glaucia has, has had some amazing things happen in work recently and if you want to hear some incredible stories go and chat to her just wave your arm in the air class yeah but you know there's something beautifully humble about this woman and she does it she she beholds the face of God and then just wants him to simply move in her life and so she was doing a training course in Portugal in being a life coach and and suddenly was just like chat you had a prophetic word right for the lady one of the leaders in the course Yeah, and actually to brag on you further than that, so good. So those of you who didn't hear it, and for those of you online, and we're going to come to land with this. Like, so Glaucia just obediently spends time with one of the ladies on her course who is qualified. She's experienced, like the words Glaucia used with me the other day, where she was like, who am I to talk to this lady? She's like amazing. She's high flying. And then suddenly something revealed to Glaucia, which was that what she's carrying, this lady doesn't have and needs. And, and then she repents, she 
leads his life to the Lord. Then they go back into the course room. So this lady leads three other people to the Lord, but then basically tells the course leader about it, who suddenly goes, okay, everyone, stop what you're doing. Glacier's got something. Who wants it? And like, was it like 14 people come forward to the front of the stage at this, like, this course in life coaching? It's not like they're not there like on a Sunday at church, okay? We're not like coming to meet God. They've come to learn a skill. And Glaucia's there praying and leading these people to the Lord. And it's just, what did she do? Come on, give, give God glory. She has made a choice in her life to make herself a person of the presence of God. And in doing that, he does stuff. And it's a joy to behold and see. And so do you want to be a person of God's presence? It's not a long prayer to this. It's very simply do it. Seek his face. Everything else will happen. Don't strategize. Don't plan. That will come. Don't plan your way into his presence. Let his presence inform your plans. Amen? Amen. Come on. Well, look, why don't we stand? We're going to pray. And then we've got a wild tribe of children for parents to go and gather and find and, and stuff. But why don't we pray? God, I thank you. I thank you that you are not dead. I thank you that you are not distant. I thank you that you are not incapable I thank you that you are everywhere, that you are omnipresent and you are all-knowing and that in you, when you come and when we engage with your face, when we leave our distractions, you're always there because God, it's impossible for you to be distracted. It's impossible for you to turn your face from us. And God, where we have turned our face from you and somehow turned it into some sort of theology that says, oh, we need to welcome God back in because he's not here yet. God, I'm so sorry for where we've thought that we are somehow the vanguard of your presence. But God, you are everywhere. And would you show us how to engage with that at a greater level? Would you show us how to get out of the way more? Would you show us how to just let you flow? Would you show us what it looks like to just behold your face to such a degree that in the same way that you tore that curtain in the temple from top to bottom, you would tear the veils over us that we and others have put in place, God. And so, God, I ask right now, would you reveal the veils? Would you then pull them off of us so that we can be revealed in greater measure, so your glory can come and your kingdom can be done? And Father, we ask this today. Would you reveal your glory in such a measure that we would see you move? God, not for our namesake, but for yours, would we see you move. God, I thank you for how you show up in this church. God, I thank you for the testimonies of people in this church who've encountered your presence and it has done something in their life. God, when the world is broken, we know the answer is you. But we don't want it to just be a self-help course. We don't want it to be some sort of stiff upper lip or just crutch to our existence, God. We want you to be the forefront, the foremost, and the ultimate power of lives transformed, changed, healed, delivered, and set free. So God, would you show us your face? In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Come on. Well, I'll say to you guys is, I'm going to ask Praveen, but he's going to have to say yes anyway, um, to just stay and play for a little bit. And if you want to just spend time in his presence, 
observing the one of the presence, then you're very welcome to do so. Thank you for tuning in online as well. And the one thing you can pack up if you want to put chairs in piles of five, that would be great. But other than that, bless you. Thank you for coming.